go. I went. Did you go? I went. Yeah. It, what is the the Charmin uh, slogan? Is like enjoy the go or something? Enjoy the go. Is that what they? Someone says. I think it's so. so weird because it's like this family of bears, right? Who lives in the house and yeah. they use toilet paper. I would like. Yeah, they don't use pants, to, but they use toilet but, paper. But they use toilet paper, and the thing is, like, bears' buttholes are really furry. So, like, hope I feel like they would need like a bidet kind of situation. Yeah, like, yeah, or like I'm. I'm or like a naturally bears. occurring fir tree might be helpful to their, you know, dairy A naturally occurring fir tree? Like, what? like you know how the pine pine needles on a fir tree are like more coarse than like a piece of paper? Oh, sure. So they could like... Because you gotta get something textured to like get in there. Yeah. In the fur around the butthole to get all the poop out. <laughs> so do you, you think that like... <laughs> Do so you think the like real bears just have like poop encrusted in the fur around their buttholes? <laughs> Probably. I think most animals. Why are we talking about this? <laughs> <laughs> welcome, welcome, listener. <laughs> we're okay. we're over here. We're out here. We're here. <laughs> we're <laughs> we sure are here. We're pop it DNA. Is- and we talk about bears' buttholes. <laughs> we talk a whole lot about a bear's derriere. Um, um, hi. <laughs> I think we mentioned right before we, we logged on, but I think it's been a week. It's been, it has been a week indeed. It's been a week. Seven days. Um, <laughs> Seven whole days. A, a, typ- a typical week. Um, You're running the mill week. <laughs> Uh, in the in the Gregorian calendar, so yes, um, we <laughs> yes, <laughs> this is. Um, so I'm drinking Diet Dr Pepper, and it reminded me of the lady that we saw at Paquitos, who <laughs> brought in her own. Oh, I love that Diet Dr Pepper. She, <laughs> she's just sitting at a table in a restaurant. She has her own bottle of Diet Dr Pepper. She brought her own. To be fair, I don't think the restaurant had it. Yeah. So. Yeah. You anyway, know, you, you um, gotta do for yourself. Sometimes. You want to go to dinner? You go to dinner. Um. When you want to go to dinner, you go to dinner. Like how? Go to dinner. I started thinking about how it, we. I think we even talked about this about how it might be in the cards for me to bring my own like lumbar support pillow moving forward. Uh huh. And I think these are the years where you start to like tailor experiences to yourself because you're so tired that yeah. you're just like, you know what? If they don't have a diet Dr. Pepper, if they don't have diet Dr. Pepper, then I'm, I'm not going to enjoy my myself. So, no. yeah. And frankly, on a Sunday morning, I'm going to enjoy <laughs> on myself. Sunday morning. <laughs> on a Sunday morning. Uh, I, I think it's about oh getting. Getting tired of other people's BS. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'm so tired. I of think other we're all pretty BS. done. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is we do have we do have a plan um, for this episode. <laughs> it does exist. <laughs> it exists. I'm looking at it right now. It's a very. I'm good looking plan. at it right now as well. It's a great plan. It's we have plan. amazing content planned for yes. this episode. We should talk about it. Hi, we're Pop DNA. Hello, hi, yes. <laughs> and this is part two, part D of. <laughs> if I was impressive, I could say it in in French, but I can't. To all de. the boys I've loved before, D, D, un du trois, a todos los hombres. No, I can't do it. I can't. Um, yeah, I. <laughs> That's where I've there was lived. a time when I when I could have conversed like yeah like halfway fluently in Spanish. I can't say that's it's really bad. Yeah. Um, yes, <laughs> I tried. So yes, this is part two, and um, do we don't need to do a recap of part one because part really one was just table like of contents, a yeah. preemptive recap of the whole thing. So yeah, we're. 
we're going in circles here. Um, <laughs> but Rhonda, I have a question for you. What What's your question for me? What are you watching? What am I watching? I well, it appears that you have now joined me in a Parks and Rec rewatch. I have. A, a rewatch. <laughs> a rewatch, if you will. So, yes. <laughs> yes, I am still in my Parks and Rec rewatch. And Which episodes <laughs> are you on? I'm always going to pronounce it like that. Now. Rewatch. <laughs> but rewatch. Um so yes, I am in the midst of that and I was Where... trying to remember what else I ha- I haven't actually watched a whole lot else recently. Where oh, I just accidentally hit hit enter like 18 times on our oh. notes. Oh no. Then- <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Nothing was erased, so that would have been yeah. that would have been bad. Um okay, so yes, I <laughs> I'm doing the Parks and Rec rewatch and I haven't watched a whole lot else, but I started rereading a book that I have read before, but I wanted nice. to read it again. Um oh, Severance by Ling Ma, which I think I've talked about before. Uh, yeah. On the show. Yeah. I think I talked about it in our Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> yeah. Perhaps. I so that. this book, I so I first read it in like April of 2020. Okay. Like, you know, like right at the beginning of the Panini. And yeah. so this uh, do you do you do you recall? I think I've talked about it before. Do you recall, like, the premise? I remember you talking about it. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. But that's it. So, well, I'll just tell listeners, too. So, (laughs) so the, so it, how do I even begin to describe Severance by Ling Ma? So it's a, it's like a post-apocalyptic novel. You could even classify it as, like, a zombie novel, but the zombies, like, they're not really zombies because they don't, like, eat people. Okay. But, so, the, there's this, like, fever that, you know, it's like an outbreak. So, like, this is why I was reading it in April of 2020s because there's, (laughs) there's this, it's actually not a virus. It's, it's a fungus that, like, people ingest the spores and, like, um, like The Last of Us and, um, what's the, um, uh, The Girl with All the Gifts. It also is a fungus. Those zombies are fungus zombies anyway so uh, so like people ingest the spores and then you contract this fever where like like your brain functioning like devolves to where your body is just performing like these rote routine movements okay so you're kind of so like like people will just like repeat the same like muscle memory movements yeah. that they've been doing their whole lives but their but like their mind isn't there. Interesting. And it's so it's so interesting because like the main character um like in the like the ways that like she describes what she does from day to day before the outbreak is like you start to see like this parallel where like you know we're all just kind of like doing the same thing every day, right? Yeah. Like we're all kind of already living like this. Sure. Um is is like, oh my gosh, this is so this yeah. is so it's so deep. Yeah, so I've I've been rereading it and it's really great. It's really like unique and interesting and I wanna read more from this author, although I'm not sure if she um, has anything, any other books that she's okay. read, but we'll see. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta look it up. Yeah, but it's very, really it's very good. It's, it's also interesting. It has like, like a lot of the tropes that you see in like typical kind of like post-apocalyptic zombie things. Like, yeah, um, like a lot of the tropes that you see with like character dynamics in a lot of those stories. Like, you see that in this book, but it's like like kind of subverted a little bit 
in, sure. in most yeah i don't know how to how to like explain it without just telling you the entire book but <laughs> well i love but it. it's really good yeah <laughs> it's a really good book and you're I'm trying to find myself. the words to describe this book without being disrespectful is what you're yeah saying. well i <laughs> i don't think that i would ever be disrespectful of a book no, unless no, of it was harry potter but yeah. <laughs> but yes i'm trying to find the words to describe this book and i would just say like it's if if a zombie story could be Kafkaesque, love it. It's it's Severance by Ling Ma. Love it, and uh, you should read it. Yeah, that's not what I'm watching. I'm watching it inside of my mind your, as I that, read it. Your mind theater that works. <laughs> my my mind screen. Your mind screen is playing this book. Uh-huh. Well. That matches pretty well with what I've been watching because I just watched all of The Last of Us and I am obsessed. Yeah, you're welcome. When it gets to the (laughs) Nick Offerman part. Right? Wasn't that episode so good? I just like, like... I I cried. I laughed. Uh It was everything. The range of human emotion. (laughs) Yeah. I actually hyper-focused so much on it that I had to pause before I got to the next episode because it was just like, Uh, it was so perfect, that episode. Like you mentioned last week, it's just such a good episode. It's so good. (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) And he's like, he's such a perfectly cast I know. Like the moment, the moment his face came on screen, I was like, "Oh, of course, Ron Swanson! Like totally. that's what he would be doing. <laughs> this totally. is what Ron Swanson would do in the zombie apocalypse." It's and like perfect. the montage where he's going to like Lowe's and getting all this stuff, I'm like, "Yes, no, I know more is. than you." <laughs> yeah, but then I and you know I thought it was going to kind of lean into the humor. And because that's kind of who he is uh-huh. for me. But then yeah. it gets really poignant and yeah. like meaningful and beautiful. It was a beautiful love story. Like just yeah. wow, wow, wow. It's so like impressed. the first five minutes of Up, but like. <laughs> yeah, but like As a an whole. Of TV. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, a moment yeah. of silence for. <laughs> for their relationship for. I know. Well, the Good final stuff. image Good where stuff. it it goes back like to their bedroom window. Yeah. Oh, I was like, I was gone. I was so like, and, like ah. the windows open and you can oh. see like the sun. Yeah. The yeah. So you haven't seen The Last of Us. <laughs> yeah. This I think is our tacit endorsement. <laughs> we're probably gonna need to talk about it at some point. Pre- it's real I, good. Yeah. I mean, we're already talking. We're about already it, talking so. about it. It's not even the topic. <laughs> yeah. That's what you've been watching right now? That and. Um, and Shark Tank. Oh, I love my Shark Tank, obviously. And I just watched the specifically the Harvest Festival arc of Parks and mm. Rec. That's a what, good one. What part of Parks and Which Rec are you arc on? Which arc am I on? Yeah. I am on Leslie's campaign for city council. <sighs> so she just um i just watched the episode where she introduces herself to bobby newport and it's paul (laughs) rudd and he's like i think i'm running unopposed i'm running unopposed aren't i and she's like no i just told you i'm running against you oh my gosh (laughs) oh i love him (laughs) the election night episode makes me cry every single time oh my gosh Uh uh-huh and like Paul Rudd is so good as Bobby Newport. Uh-huh. Bobby I love that Newport. In uh, I don't know if you know. In a deleted scene of like the series finale, Bobby Newport marries Shauna Molly Tweep. What? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's perfect. I know. Shauna I love that. To get- I love that pairing. <laughs> It's perfect. Shauna needs a good man. Yeah. Uh, or he's going to yeah. change his name to Ben Wyatt Molly. <laughs> Be really progressive. 
you know, yeah. we already did a Parks and Rec series discussion. Yeah. And, but, you know, we just got to talk about it. So, um, hi. Hello. 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 I'm the uh, problem. That's... It's me. It's me. Hi. I'm the problem. I'm the problem. It's, it's me. me. <laughs> At tea time, everybody agrees. Yes. Um, that's what we're watching. That That's what we're watching. And Aaron, I have Thanks, a question for you. Sorry. Yeah, what? I have a question for you. Yeah. Has anyone ever written you a love letter? Huh. Actually, kind of. Yeah? Yeah. In high school. Hmm. And how did I... that go? Oh, I how mean, it f- was... How did you feel? What well, what resulted from <laughs> this correspondence? <laughs> nothing resulted because it was kind of like over the summer. And then mm. once... once Like the... a Sarah Dessen novel. A little bit, yeah. So, like, over, it was, like, when we were, like, 15 or 16. So, like, I got this, like, love letter. And then it was, a, then the person, like, went away, I think, on, like, a study abroad or, like, to oh. summer camp or something for the summer. And then we came back and it was just, like, a different year and it felt real different all of a sudden. But they basically, like, it was actually, you know, looking back, it was kind of romantic because they left it for me before they left. And then they went for a few months and then we both just kind of had this, like, I still really, like, respect and like you, but not like that anymore. And the tides had just turned. But, you know... Kind of a beautiful moment from my 15, 16 year old life, I think. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, I think it was a, well, at the time. I mean, if I read it now, I'd probably be like, okay, whatever. But, <laughs> but at the time, it was everything. And the way that, uh-huh. like, being a teenager, something like that could be, like, absolutely everything. That's, yeah. Probably even more meaningful than if we had had like a relationship or if anything had happened, you know? Um, uh huh. Yeah. What about you? Um, not a love letter, but I've gotten some like text messages that were very much in the spirit of a love letter. It's not as romantic. Yeah. No, but, but it is. <laughs> it was, uh, this, a guy that I knew in college Aww. who it was like the same guy that it took me forever to figure out that he liked me. <laughs> have I told you the story? Yeah. <laughs> this is the guy who have, have I told you? No, I, okay. No. So this is the guy that like, he would get together with like a group of friends, like every month or so to watch the movie Tron. <laughs> it was, it was always Tron. I don't know why. Okay. And he was always saying, like, inviting me to, like, come watch it with them. And I was like, yeah, I'm not really interested in that movie. Like, totally clueless that he was, like, okay. inviting me to, like, a low-pressure, like, scenario where yeah. he could possibly try to, like, get to know me or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Or something weird like that, you know? Totally. <laughs> like, <laughs> he, he wants to get to know me? Who? <laughs> like, who is this? Um. So <laughs> Yeah. Um, I'm making a joke, Aaron. Okay, oh, so <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, so like it took me forever to to like, and I, I don't think I ever really actually did figure out. Like, I never really did connect the dots until like years <laughs> later. But yeah. he would also like, like after we like w- didn't really just because our our paths didn't cross very much anymore. We like texted a little bit, like like when college was like almost over yeah um and like i like at that point i was like oh this like this is like a really like it wasn't like an overtly like romantic like message yeah (laughs) but like i remember thinking like oh like this is like a really nice like he you know like he's like telling me like all these things that he thinks are great about me like he's such a good friend like (laughs) yeah it was like really nice and then Later, when I like put two and two together, like years later, I was like, "Oh, oh, that's what was happening." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes but me I've never, think. Of- yeah, I've never gotten any other love letters besides those. 
That makes me think yeah. of the part in New Girl where where the kid keeps asking Jess out, like young Jess, and she's like, <laughs> oh, do you want to go see Cece? And he's like, yes! no! <laughs> That's exactly what it was like. <laughs> yeah oh that's funny yeah anyway we that's yep Mm -hmm. well i have some information about the history of the love letter if you would like to to listen well we just told our history of love letters yeah i think that's sufficient i think that's better okay yeah. (laughs) yeah you know what you're right yeah, yeah. I do want to hear. Oh, but I do want to hear about um, the. I just saw the word knight somewhere. Yes. Um, and that made me think of the Green Knight. Yes. Um, which we're talking about next month, and I just, <gasps> I just bought a shirt <laughs> that says <laughs> it's in it's it's in like the font of the Green Knight title, uh-huh. but it says Dev Patel. <laughs> Yes. Oh no, I think it says Dev Patel Summer. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, so I I feel I felt it felt like Kismet finding that shirt on Beyonce's internet and the stars aligned and I was like, I need this shirt because we were talking about the Green Knight. And because it sounds like an amazing and it's, shirt. And it's <laughs> and it says Dev Patel Summer. <laughs> I love him. I do too. I think we've talked about this on a previous We've talked talked about him a lot. (laughs) I love him. He's so hot. Oh my gosh. He's so handsome and respectful. (laughs) He's so handsome and respectful. (laughs) Yes. Have you seen David Copperfield? No. No, you have to watch David Copperfield. Okay. He's so so handsome and respectful (laughs) in David Copperfield. Oh, man. Yeah. You know, I didn't, before, I didn't really think of Green Knight as like a sexy film, but man. Yeah, no. But man, man, man. But maybe? But maybe? But perhaps. Perhaps. Maybe. Indeed. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Please do tell me about love letters. Oh, I do want to know if you could write a love letter to any (laughs) celebrity, who would you write it to? Um, I think it's pretty obvious. (laughs) Dev Patel. (laughs) No, that's funny. Because, like, it's so weird. I thought about this a lot because, like, (laughs) I, I was like, I don't really have, like, or I guess it's very rare that I have, like, what I would call, like, a crush on a celebrity. Like, uh-huh. I just feel like it's such a weird thing to be, to, yeah, totally. to be like, this is a this is a real person that I do not know in real yeah. life. How could I possibly have, like, romantic feelings for them, of right? Of course, yeah. Yeah, so it is, yeah, so, like... I don't think that I really would, but if I could write a love letter to a fictional crush, I would 100% do that. <laughs> Who would you write that to? Mr. Darcy. I mean, duh, <laughs> obviously. Right. I am shocked you had to ask. <clears throat> yeah, I shouldn't have. I I knew the answer. I feel like if if Mr. Darcy received a love letter, he would be very flustered. And he would not <laughs> know what to do. He'd be real flustered. Yeah. He'd be like, what? what do I do with these emotions? <laughs> He'd be like Benedict levels of flustered. Like, what if I am horribly in love? I don't know. I don't know what to do. What if I'm bad at this. Shoot. Yeah. What about you? Who would you? Would Wait, I think I know. I could Who? try to guess. Jason okay. and Zookas. <laughs> I mean, obviously. Right? <laughs> Already in the mail, frankly. Um, <laughs> signed, sealed, delivered. Signed, sealed, delivered. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I love Jason Manzoukas. I love a lot, a lot, a lot of people. Um, see, I'm the opposite. I'm like, love letters for everybody. You're like Lara you Jean. Like Lara Jean when she just like writes... A love letter, Absolutely. but she writes them to people that she's actually met in real life. So, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's like a step up Carrie. from like a fictional character. <laughs> sure, yeah, like I think Carrie Brownstein would get oh, one. Oh, that's an excellent choice. Um, I love her. 
Oh, Laura Bailey would get one. I thought you were going to say Laura Dern. Like for- I feel like, yeah. Laura Dern. I endorse that, too. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, absolutely. But anyway. Uh-huh. I'm in a very silly mood. <laughs> oh, me too. I love it. Um, I'm just, listeners, we've been mentioning this, but we're going... I- Away I've also this weekend. been blushing um, since we started talking about Deb Patel. So, Aww. <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> he's very uh-huh. cute. Oh, Lin Manuel Miranda. Oh, Lin Manuel Miranda. Imagine he'd be a good love letter writer. He would. Though. Yes. Oh my! They gosh. might be a little annoying. <laughs> But, <laughs> but he would be so into it. <laughs> He'd be so into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it might um, come on a little strong, but he'd have a great time. <laughs> but you'd be like good good with it. Good, yeah. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So I've kind of gone through the history of love letters and kind of broken them into four like steps. Mm-hmm. Um and then I have some samples from actual <gasps> ones. Ooh. Um so the the love letter as we kind of know it today actually stems from um a portion of the Bible which I didn't realize. Uh-huh. So it's like earliest earliest forms are seen in the the Song of Solomon um and mm. then it gets furthered a little bit by like Cicero um, so, and some of those uh, turn of the century funny romance. story about Song of yeah. Solomon. Um, yeah. So I, uh, you know, grew up going to church, and yeah, um, there when I was like eight, um, my friend and I would like sneak. We would like we'd like skip Sunday school and we <laughs> would go into the bathroom and read Song of Solomon because it says Aww. like. <laughs> This is an acute story. So because okay. it's because, have you read Song of Solomon? No. This is like the the like the sexiest that the Bible gets. Oh. So like read like the like That's pretty funny. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Song of Solomon is what introduced me to sex. So it's a little bit like, okay, I didn't, honestly, I didn't realize it was a little bit more like steamy or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's kind of the, the starting point. And I'm not, you know, I'm not surprised to hear that um, in conjunction with like the letters that were written by turn of the century Romans, which were also likely kind of steamy, kind of a little mm-hmm. bit like raucous um (laughs) and so that's the very beginning of the love letter and then in the early renaissance um the age of chivalry kind of (laughs) comes into play and we get like these fun discreet correspondences Mm. very but very different from anything steamy like very proper and kind of with these little tiny meanings like I think of the part in Hamilton where she says like he changed the the placement of the comma in the letter to add a breath (laughs) before her name and then all of a sudden it goes from my dearest Angelica to my dearest Angelica and that kind of a change is what we talk about Uh here those little (laughs) tiny i love that i think that's um super fun and it's also like it also goes hand in hand with courtly love courtney and love this, this whole courtney love yeah she you know <laughs> she got some from nirvana it's uh, true ooh. um oh no the entirety um, of nirvana <laughs> Yeah. Not just Kurt Cobain, but like... Not Kurt Cobain, but like the concept of Nirvana. Oh, okay. The Buddhist religious concept The Buddhist concept of Nirvana. Nirvana. Yeah. (laughs) They had a child together, Francis Bean. Anyway. And so, like, for anyone who hasn't thought about it in a second, courtly love is like the highly conventionalized medieval tradition of that love between a knight and a like a a noble woman um that you see a lot in oh, like in a knight's um, tale 
Yeah, exactly. Always happy to have another excuse to bring up A Knight's Tale. (laughs) I mean, always. It's very, like, I think that says it best. It's very conventionalized. Uh It's very, like, it's basically like steps to a dance. You do this, I do that. It's kind of like... It was kind of like a like a mascot thing or like a fan yeah. athlete thing. Yeah. Kind of relationship, right? And it's interesting, this, um, like, the quote that you have here, um, the love of the knight for his lady was regarded as an ennobling passion and the relationship was typically unconsummated. I'm like, oh, but do we know that for sure? Like, Well, right. I mean, it wasn't recorded that... The yeah. relationship was consummated, but why would they write that down? <laughs> and if you look at a lot of the writings from that time, there's a lot of consummation yeah. in there. And also, if you look at, like, so this is just, like, kind of one example, but, like, if you look at, like, like birth records in churches, there's a lot of, like... A, like a child was born like six months after their parents record of marriage so like right. obviously like this was you know people were having sex like yeah. it wasn't all like yeah anyway <laughs> it also cracks me up that the oxford languages dictionary is the one that said <laughs> yeah. well but it was t- like they were well, like actually oxford having sex like they, there was no sex. It was okay. just they were talking about it. You guys. Okay, Oxford. Sure, okay. I love your comma, but <laughs> we need. To- <laughs> I think they're probably doing it. You guys. Yeah. Did probably. You, did you, do you get it? Okay, Oxford. I, I, I loved your comma. <laughs> I liked it a lot. Yeah. Okay. Just thought I'd, you know, pull a Mad TV and just repeat it a whole bunch of times until I it's mean, not yeah. funny anymore. No, it was a callback. <laughs> um. So we get, like, the really, like, mechanical courtly love and the early renaissance um, with the love letters. And then things get a little more uh, personalized during the 18th century. So um, I have this specific quote here, and I can link the article about this, but... um, As the 18th century progressed and romantic ideals were cast aside, um, love letters, too, were changing intellectuals applied their ideas to the art um so it was kind of it became more um individualized with the intellectuals of the 18th century they were now kind of able to say a little bit more and get a little bit like more outwardly um bold with their love letters which was you know good for the love letter as a whole (laughs) Uh i think that kind of added some fuel to the fire (laughs) <laughs> yeah and oh this was from um the jane austen um dot co dot uk mm. um a history of love letters we'll link the, the article so yeah the intellectuals of the 18th century make it a little bit as they go kind of learning about everything else in the universe they also got pretty excited about writing love letters to each other phenomenal writers of the time you know all of that and then the 19th century, you know, is where we start to really see an uptick as people get even more bold and creative with their um, with their artistic passions. And, you know, it would follow their love mm-hmm. letters. Yeah. So things get a little more exciting there. Although I think it's very exciting, like, to have a little sexy scene in like a you know, mm-hmm. in a less, uh, what's the word in like a more reserved way. Like, mm. I think that can be really fun too. Yeah. Um, like if like he helps you into a carriage yeah. by like taking your hand and then as he's walking away, he like flexes his hand. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> right. Of <laughs> like course. That. Like that. Like that. Absolutely. Uh-huh. And one kind of one kind of strange example that I came across was between Anne Boleyn and Henry VIII. Oh so they used to These two. Um, so I, much I drama. I know, like she lost they, her so, head for him. Oh, upsetting, very upsetting. 
very upsetting. It's actually really terrible. But no, it's all aw- yeah. <laughs> it's it's <awful>. like <laughs> it's like really terrible. These two would like find different images within different books and then kind of scribble like a note and the book image would be like how they were feeling at that moment about oh, like their relationship. Emojis. Ex- oh my gosh, it Rhonda. Emojis. <laughs> it's like the first emoji. Aww. Oh no. So, so and this this is the um, article, A History of Britain Through Heartbreak and Lust from BBC. We can link that as well. But um, it's just really interesting to see, like, so here it says, Henry chose to write his love letter, her, or his very kind of discreet love note, on a page depicting the Man of Sorrows thereby intentionally presenting himself uh-huh. as a lovesick king. So hmm. he found an image of a lovesick king and then, like, I don't know if he expected her to just look in that book and uh-huh. find it. <laughs> like, what if she never... <laughs> yeah, what if somebody else finds it? Like, what... what? <laughs> What was the what was the what was the 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 process here? Yeah, or like <laughs> what if he didn't understand that he was like saying he was so lovesick that he's sad? What if he just thought what if she just thought like, "Oh, he's really upset. I guess we're not a thing anymore." Uh-huh. <laughs> or like, like he's like actually sick. Maybe I should like Oh <laughs> stay no. Away so yeah, I he's actually so I don't catch um, uh, the flu or whatever. <laughs> yeah and then her response is really like confusing too she wrote hers and i quote below an image of the annunciation with the archangel gabriel telling the virgin mary that she would bear a son implying that like she would be able to have a son Uh you know where catherine of aragorn hadn't i just called her catherine of aragorn Um, but yeah, it you know, it's interesting to see these original emojis. Um, uh-huh. It's, yeah, I just thought it was, it kind of reminded me of like, high school sweethearts, like sneaking to the library or whatever. So just wanted to flag that one. And then you had mentioned to me Eloise and Abelard. So that's uh-huh. super, super interesting, too. Um their writing is is super intense. So for anyone who doesn't know, Heloise was 19 and um, was kind of receiving more of an education than some women would have from her tutor Abelard. And then eventually the two begin kind of this illustrious affair and she has his child. And this was in like the like the 12th century or so? Yes. 12th or 13th century? I want to say, yeah. And so they wed in secret, and then Heloise's uncle actually, um, you know, had some recourse to give to Abelard. Um, They were forced to separate. Heloise was sent to a convent, while Abelard was exiled to Brittany, um, where he became a monk. And then the two began writing these, like, incredible love letters. Um... And there's hundreds of letters between the two of them at this time. So both very intelligent people who just kind of, you know, because yeah. of the time and circumstances couldn't really like have a life together. Yeah. But they they wrote some really intense love letters. Like, Are you going to do a dramatic reading of the love letter? I'm going to pick sections. Okay. Okay, well, this first section just kind of makes me, I don't want to say it makes me laugh, but it just, it's so overwrought. It's like very, it's very, it's very good, but it's very dramatic. So, irresolute as I am, I still love you, and yet I must hope for nothing. I have renounced life and stripped myself of everything, but I find I neither have nor can renounce my Abelard. Though I have lost my lover, I still preserve my love. 
It feels kind of overwrought, but it's also very pretty. Well, and you know? I mean, sh- this she she would have been writing this in like Middle English, so this is a translation. And I'd be right. curious about like when this particular translation was done, because if it was translated in like the 19th century, they're gonna try to make it sound like love letters at that time, right? So the overwroughtness is probably in the translation. Yeah, I think it's really tricky. Or actually, no, it wouldn't even, they were in France. So she would have been writing in French, not even Middle English. So, yeah. It's really tricky with translations to even get like the overall feel of it too, you know? Oh, I really liked this line. I liked, you have not turned me to marble by changing my habit. My heart is not hardened by my imprisonment. I am still sensible to what has touched me. Like, how pretty mm-hmm. is that? I really like that. Yeah, yeah. I really, I really like a love letter. Uh-huh. They're really good. <laughs> it's a, it's a good genre. Yeah. It's a good genre. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious about the love letters that Laura Jean writes. Yeah, to all the boys. I I'm sure in the book you you get to like actually read all the letters. Sure, but yeah, that's that's interesting that um that that's how I think like in if I'm remembering right in the movie she says that like if like when her emotions get like so big that she has to do something about it she writes a letter. Rather than, like, going and, like, telling the person. She just writes it down in a letter. That's actually something I tell my students to do. Just write it down. Yeah, write it down or... Write it down. Or, like, scream it out or whatever you need to tell Uh, a friend. (laughs) Would you... (laughs) I don't know what my voice just did there. I'm sorry. Would (laughs) (laughs) Would you consider, like, love letters to... Yeah, I think so. Hmm. Yeah, r- like, I would count it as one. It might be in that, I'm trying to call it an inter- internet page. Um, <laughs> there's websites with, like, tropes and stuff. Like TV tropes? TV tropes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that maybe it would fall more into, like, revealing a plot twist through a letter or, like... Okay. Using a letter to, like, Pride and Prejudice does this, where, like, Mr. Darcy's letter is used to, like, illuminate things about characters that we didn't know before. That's definitely a trope. But, I mean, but, like, specifically a love letter being used to, like, advance the story or reveal something about a character. I think that could also... Yeah, be considered a trope. I think that we t- that like we talk a lot about tropes, like just collectively as a society on Beyonce's internet, yeah. and and uh, tropes are interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think that we we talk a lot about tropes, especially in relation to. Like romance storylines, I sure. mean, tr- like tropes are present in every single kind of narrative there is. Yeah. Um, but I think we we talk about them a lot in romance because there are like certain romance tropes that yeah that we that you know we tend to gravitate toward more than others. So we do we talk we talk about tropes like in relation to romance. Um, a lot more than other genres, even though, like, there are tropes and everything. Um, and, yeah. But I think that, like, one of the, like, I mean, like, kind of the trope that To All the Boys I've Loved Before is kind of built upon, at least the first book and the first movie, is, like, the fake dating trope, right? Because yeah, the whole premise is that they're pretending to be yeah. in a relationship each for their own like you know purposes right um yeah and 
I think that the fake dating trip is really interesting. Uh, yeah. So I so I was like reading about <laughs> I was reading this article about it um, in Vox that is just kind of like a kind of an explainer of <laughs> of like where the fake dating trip comes from, why it appeals to us so much. Um, so I think that this quote gets right like right to the heart of why it's kind of appealing to a lot of people. Um, So it says fake dating is the have your cake and eat it too of romantic tropes. It grants (laughs) audiences all the satisfaction of seeing the central couple in an established domestic relationship, but it doesn't deflate the will they won't they tension because you're always waiting for the two fake lovers to realize that they're actually really in love. Um, <laughs> which like, that's, yeah. exa- that's exactly what it is. Um, it's interesting that this article also kind of talks about like, um, the fake dating trope in to all the boys I've loved before, kind of in contrast to like, um, similar premises from like nineties teen rom-coms, um, it like it specifically mentions she's all that and 10 things i hate about you which both That's have so- yeah which both have an element of like there there's like a bet going on that yeah. that the the girl doesn't know about um yeah. so it's still kind of there's still sort of a fake dating thing going on but like it's much more sinister because the girl yeah. in the fake relationship isn't in on the fact that it's fake. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just thought that it was interesting that it kind of brings that up that like in all into all the boys I've loved before, like they they both collude on this plan together. It's not like one of them taking advantage of the other. Yeah. Was there something else it's you were going to say? <laughs> oh, it's just interesting to me that right as you were speaking, I was thinking of She's All That. And then uh-huh. I was like, oh, it's mentioned specifically. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> um, yeah. So I I wanted to just kind of mention, like, the idea of tropes because I feel like that's so – at least – in the parts of the internet that I am on, the the, <laughs> the discussion of tropes kind of dominates any discussion of romance and, like, romance narratives. Um, yeah. Because, like, if you're, at, at least, like, in my experience, like, if somebody on, you know, on social media is recommending a romance book most of the time what I've observed is that they'll just tell you all of the tropes that are in it, which Uh is like, which is, you know, like, yes, like to a certain extent, we all choose the things we read based on the tropes, like whether we realize it or not, we, that's, that's part of what makes our decision for us. So like, it's, it's definitely, you know, um, it's definitely an important part of book discussion to talk about the tropes, but I think that, you know, people get really, really caught up in <laughs> what tropes <laughs> something has and they forget that it's also supposed to have like a story. So <laughs> Right. But, um yeah. yeah. <laughs> um so but I also uh like wanted to bring this around like to romance specifically because I think that the the idea of like discussing these tropes is also kind of playing into like how like culture outside of romance readership views romance and views romance readers. Um, yeah. So like you know like like people who who read things other than romance they see like the whole trope discussion going on and they're like, oh, well, romance is just all, you know, it's just all tropes. Right. Um, right. <laughs> um, which, you know, like, uh, like it, I think romance more than most other genres is reliant on a certain formula uh, sure. But yeah. like, that doesn't <laughs> like, yeah. Anyway, well, I'm going to get into this. So 
(laughs) Right. So you know, like what you're going to expect, you know, when you read a romance book or when you watch a romantic comedy, you're going to have two characters who like either like most of the time they have like uh, a meet cute right that's like yeah they meet in a in a memorable way that like sets off a chain of events that where they keep running into each other or sometimes they have like a history with each other already um and they you know haven't gotten together for whatever reason or they were together in the past but broke right. up yeah. yeah yeah we all yeah we all get that um so uh but in any case Throughout the story, like, the the two people will kind of be thrown together, and they'll either, you know, be, like, clash um, over certain things, or, like, they'll have to work together to accomplish something, right? Um, And then, at some point, you have either, like, an unfortunate misunderstanding or miscommunication, or it turns out like maybe one of them like wasn't truthful about everything. Um, Or, you know, something happens that causes them to like halt whatever romantic progress they had been making. It's often called the third act breakup. Uh, (laughs) And there's, there's so much discourse about the third act breakup. Like (laughs) it's, Pro, con, uh, you know, and a deep analysis. So, <laughs> so. The misunderstanding one yeah. makes me stressed out. Right. Like I can't handle but it. But that's, but when it's done well, that yeah. making you stressed out, it's making you feel the story. And like, yeah. maybe that's not for you, but that doesn't mean that it's, sorry, I'm not talking just to you, but like, <laughs> but like, there's a lot no, of people totally. who are like firmly against like the, quote unquote miscommunication trope. And I'm like, but people miscommunicate but with each other all the time. Like it's totally. part it doesn't mean that it's a bad story. Maybe you just don't like it. Okay. Anyway. And it's actually <laughs> a big part of, to put my therapist hat on. It's a big part of what happens to drive couples apart <laughs> yeah. is that they don't meta communicate. Right. So Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. So then so then this will lead to um so like in a lot of stories, you'll have, like, a grand gesture. <laughs> so, uh-huh. like, you know, the running through the airport. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or, like, a public confession of love of some kind. Yeah. And so this is critical for showing that, like, if there's a character who was in the wrong, it's showing that they have, you know, like, they've been humbled and they've accepted uh, responsibility and they're and they're ready to, like you know, change and, and make it right. Uh, right. Right. Um, sometimes that's not, you know, part of the, part of the story, but it happens in a lot of them. Um, yeah. Right. So like, we all know that like, these are things that are probably going to happen when we watch a rom-com, mom rom-com, or a when <laughs> we read a romance novel. Um, but we keep, we keep coming back to them, right? Like, yeah. why do we keep coming back to them? Um, you know, it's, uh, I think Laura Jean would agree. So, (laughs) um, so I think that it's, it's, um, like, it's important to also note that, like, uh, romance stories and tropes that are often found in romance are, like kind of seen in kind of a almost like a mocking way a lot of the time and okay. that's mostly because romance is mostly written for and enjoyed by women um right yeah <laughs> because yeah. like there are so many genres uh, and types of narratives that are written with a male audience in mind that are very formulaic, but of course still like, but you know, don't get like the the level of hate that that romance gets. Yeah, like the absolutely. <laughs> I like this example from uh, another article I was reading. It says, "Does the brooding lone wolf action hero with a dead wife sound familiar?" <laughs> Um, John Wick, <laughs> hello. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, but in this 
article, which by the way, is in, um, uh, frolic, a blog called a blog or a publication called frolic. I love the name. name. Um, so it says tropes exist because they work. Uh, and sometimes subverting our expectations can be fun. Sometimes it ends in disaster. Here's looking at you, Game of Thrones. (laughs) I had to get my (laughs) Game of Thrones cheap shot in there. Love Um, it. (laughs) Yeah. In uh, in this book called A Natural History of the Romance Novel by Pamela Regis, which I think which I think I may have talked about a little bit before. Um so this is like this book is like specifically addressing like the idea of the genre of romance being restrictive um and yeah. kind of refuting that idea um because like every romance novel ends with you know the happily ever after with like the sure. couple getting together um the end um and yeah and um you know like critics of the genre itself um often point to that as like something that's a flaw about the genre <laughs> um sure i mean yeah anyway um <laughs> i'll let pamela regis address this because she does it far more eloquently than i could um so she says because this charge claims that the form of the romance novel genre it's ending in marriage extinguishes the heroine and binds the reader every romance novel by virtue of its being a romance novel has these powers to extinguish and bind if this argument is right Pride and Prejudice, for instance, an acknowledged work of genius, must, because it is a romance novel, extinguish Elizabeth Bennet and bind its readers. My response to critics is, in part, that this complaint about the ending of the romance novel is more nearly a complaint about ending itself than a complaint about a given kind of ending. Narratives end. (laughs) Ulysses returns to Ithaca. Homer's reader rejoices that clever Ulysses has evaded and outsmarted the various creatures, gods, and natural disasters that for 10 years have impeded his return from Troy. So, too, do readers of romance novels rejoice when the heroine evades and outsmarts the people and events in the novel that are in the way of her marriage. And when, like Ulysses... She cheats fate and is free to choose the hero. At the end of the Odyssey, we hear no more of Ulysses. His quest is over. So too is a romance heroine's quest at the end of a romance novel. But just as Ulysses is not extinguished, neither is the romance heroine. Her narrative, like that of Ulysses, has simply ended. Romance writers look at the conclusion of the heroine's quest and see victory. I gotta read this book. Yes, you do. It's yeah, wonderful. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I love that like comparison of between like, um, like the romance novel heroine being like she's like a like a heroine in the same way that like a hero is you know like in like in the hero's journey. Here, you okay? It comes back to the heroine's journey, you guys. I. <laughs> I, I tried yeah, to stay always. away but yes it's no. the heroine's journey because she because i mean most of the time she not always but most of the time the, she the heroine of the romance novel is on a quest and the quest yeah. is for like like love of course but also it's for like emotional fulfillment and yeah. like the fulfilling of an emotional desire that she has like that's absolutely the quest and it's you know like as regis like very eloquently you know shows through analogy like it's no different from a hero's journey narrative where the hero is on a quest for some kind of fulfillment as well and you know in a in a very traditional hero's journey narrative the hero finds that fulfillment through you know, like a feat of strength or defeating a monster or something, right? Right. It's it's the same 
Like, yeah, it's the same impulse. Yeah, of course. Um, and because I have brought up the heroine's journey yet again, um, I just wanted to wrap up this little section. We're going a little late, a little, a little long here. That's okay. I, but I wanted to it. wrap up this section with another book that I'm pretty sure I'm almost positive I've talked about this book before: The Heroine's Journey by Gail Carriger. Um, so, uh, so Gail Carriger's Heroine's Journey is about. Um, it's mostly about like writing, uh, like write like for writers who are writing a okay. narrative about you know uh, who want to kind of tap into the heroine's journey for their writing. Um, but she also has so many different examples from pop culture of heroine's journey stories, just yeah. like mostly to kind of prove that like this type of storytelling, this type of narrative can be successful and popular. Um, Absolutely. And so I just wanted to read this little section here. Um, she says, um, so she's like giving some more examples of the heroine's journey that she's noticed. So she says all romantic comedies, AKA rom-coms and YA romances like love simon and to all the boys i've loved before yeah um and then she goes on to say on the page the heroine's journey can be found in all romance novels um yeah so gail carriger agrees with me you guys that is the heroine's journey um yeah but i just thought it was like kismet that she specifically mentions to all the boys because that's what we're talking about absolutely and it's so true dang it it's so true yeah um and yeah that's it it's the heroine's journey you guys romance now i'm just love is the quest love is the quest and that's great dang it love it see so laura jean was on to something by reading all those romance novels yeah yeah also they're fun they are There's yeah. so I it there are very few things that can make me as happy as a romance novel makes me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you know that Bell Hooks used to read two Harlequin romance novels every day? That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Huh. Uh well. We can wrap up, shall we? I was really enjoying this, but yeah, I guess. Yeah. So I have yes, books books to read. Um Yeah. The Heroine's Journey by, by Gail Carriger, A Natural History of the Romance Novel by Pamela Regis. And Severance by Ling Ma. And Severance. Read that too. That book. I also I need to name for the audience that somewhere uh th- I think it was probably when we were talking about Parks and Rec, but now I have, um, I want you to, I want that boo to be me. I want me to be that boo. And then Aziz Ansari, when he just go starts like just making like noises. Oh my God. It's been stuck in my head this whole time. Um, I want that boo to be me. I want me to be that boo. Yeah. Doesn't he sing that to Anne? Uh huh. Anne has two men write songs for her. La di da di da, la di da di da, la di da da. Anne, so good. You know. It's really unfortunate that Chris Pratt is the human it's, that he is because oh, it's he's really, so funny as Andy. It's so, it's very disappointing. He's so funny. I know. <laughs> Leslie, I typed your symptoms into the into the <laughs> thing up here and it says you might have network connectivity problems. And that that was just an improv. <laughs> oh man, what a waste! Um, what a we, waste. We well next week. What are we? Yes. What are we going to talk about next week? Do we know? I don't know something <laughs> about 
things. I will likely be discussing psychology. As you do. A little bit. A little bit. So come back for that. Yeah. Because that never happens at all. No. Not at all. Never. Um, Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Makes me want to watch like Mary Poppins or something. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so that's uh, next week. That's what I'll be saying. I'll be like, yeah, I watched Mary Poppins. I watched um, Mary Poppins. Yeah. So come back next week, please. And please. <laughs> please. <laughs> and uh, have a, a happy Galentine's Day and Valentine's yeah. Day. And if there's any any other things that you um, are are celebrating soon, <laughs> also like go buy yourself some candy. I bought yes. myself some Reese's peanut butter cups. February fifteenth, when everything is half price. Perfect. Go get some candy. Go get some candy with with like ugly hearts on it. Yeah, and then do your taxes because. Oh yeah. Yeah, oh, you should. They get you that should sweet, also, sweet tax return. Yeah. Uh huh. Um. Yes. You should also. My dad and I have this holiday. It's called um, February thirteenth, or the morning of February fourteenth, and it's where you go to Walgreens and watch all the people who forgot to get Ooh, someone a Valentine. That's and fun. they like. They, like, run in there and, like, have to get, like, the weirdest stuff because everything's out uh-huh. of stock now. Yeah. <laughs> it's delightful. Love that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, yeah. Okay, friends. Have fun. And be careful is what my mom used to always say to me when I would leave the house when I was a teenager. And I'd be like, can't yeah. do both. Um <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, uh, yes, come back next time when we will talk about topics and probably be just as chaotic as we were this time. Probably. Um, Yeah. But that's why you love us. So. Yes. Check us out on Instagram. We have, we have, we have a a posting schedule for Instagram now. So. Yeah. Should be good. And we'll catch you later. Yeah. Thanks friends. Okay. Okay. Oh, wait. I just realized, no, if I was going to write a love letter to a fictional character, it would be Aragorn. Of course. All right. Bye. Okay. Bye.